0: WXDX-FM-Pittsburgh. If you thought the Penguins were going to beat the Washington Capitals in the playoffs in perpetuity, well, that was a nice thought. And until the Capitals beat the Penguins, I was never going to believe they could. But these three series between the Pens and Caps over the last three springtimes have been as close as hockey can get. The Penguins won 10 games, the Capitals won 9. The Capitals outscored the Penguins 52-50. to Last year's series went 7 games, and in the other two series, which both went 6 games, Game 6 was decided in overtime, which means each could have easily gone 7 games. Like if Tom Kuhnhockl shot bounces in instead of out. It was that close. These teams have been that close for three years. And don't forget, in the regular season, the teams were separated by just five points. This season might have been the closest matchup between Washington and Pittsburgh in the history of the rivalry. Losing to the Caps is disappointing, but not a disgrace. Look at their talent. They're a very good hockey team. But the Caps need to not feel like beating the Penguins was their Stanley Cup, because if they do... They have zero chance to win the actual Stanley Cup. Sick again, brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, by the way, Nick Baxter was skating today and handling pucks. That's a good sign for the caps, you would think. But if his hand is broken and he's out there just kind of getting his legs under him and his hand can't do much in a competitive situation, uh, who knows how much good he would be. Uh, Pirates are playing right now, so it's not good to talk about the Pirates. I'm I'm disappointed, though. I, I know people don't look to me for pirate talk. And I don't look to you for pirate talk. That's for damn Skippy. But uh, I'm disappointed that I haven't got reaction to Kingham being sent down. I just can't believe that happened. I can't believe that the guy who pitched the best for them all year, albeit in a small sample, got set down because the schedule's a little light for a couple weeks. That's their excuse anyway. And they want to to cut the rotation down and – Thus, they sent him back to AAA. Uh I always say, use your best players. Period. Use your best players. Nick Kingham's one of their best pitchers. And they sent him down. And it's not about the paucity of games, the light schedule. It's about not wanting to start his service clock for as long as possible. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I give Zach Aston Reese credit for talking to the media today. That's all over Twitter now that uh, Tom Wilson did not reach out to him after fracturing his jaw and concussing him. I give him credit for coming out and talking because he you know, still has the jaw Kind of clamped shut. He's eating smoothies. What do he say? Smoothies, ice cream, and soup. I'm assuming not all mixed together. Let's go to Racer X in the car. Racer X, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mr. Madden. Right. I think the defining moment
1: of the last two years, without a doubt, is the hiring of Coach Sullivan. Because yeah, yeah, goodbye.
0: Happen. Goodbye. That, that's it. You're not understanding what defining moment means. Defining moment is something that makes everybody stand up and cheer, and it's shared by a group, specifically the group at PPG Paints Arena. Maybe I should have worded it in a way that dummies could get. But, but you know, turning point would be hiring Mike Sullivan. Defining moment is different. I'm talking about what's, what's remembered by the masses. Let's go to Maverick. Maverick in Annapolis. You're on with Double M.
1: Hey Super G, how are you doing today? Terrific. Got to ask a question I think the Super G might be able to answer, and that's the past 2 years of winning were awesome. Past 2 years, I'm sorry. And now that we're out in the second round with less than a uh, less than 6 games and an extra month of rest, will we be able to say that fatigue will not play a factor?
0: Well, well you, certainly season. that's what uh, everybody's hoping. Uh, I, I will say, you know what the worst-case scenario would have been? If they would have got to the third round or even the final and lost. Because right. I, th- I think if they would have got that far and lost, then the fatigue would have been there next year with no reward to show for it. Uh, I, right. I, I think next year, given the hunger that will emanate from, from, from you know losing in the second round, losing to Washington, too, I think they'll come back uh, really raring to go. Uh, physically and mentally. I think mental's a, a big part of it too. I think they had just played enough hockey. Could they have regrouped and done well in the conference final? Yeah, they are the def- they were the defending two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, but uh it's just such a grind. It's such a long two months. Let's go to Justin in dorm on Justin. Justin, are you there? You're not. Let's go to Mike in Rochester. Rochester, you're on with double F.
1: Defining moment for me definitely is uh, Flurry handing Murray the cup.
0: Yeah, that's not it. Goodbye. Okay, no more defining moment calls after this segment. No more. Stupid. Defining moment. That didn't determine who won or lost. It didn't define anything. Everybody wants to, like, make out with Flurry or Cole. And don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with that. For women or men, they're both attractive guys. They're both married. So that's a little weird. Well, not really. It's a free society out there. Free love, that's what I say. Let's go to Brandon on the Turnpike. Brandon, you're on with Double M.
1: Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Uh, The defining moment for me was... Game six in 2016, Matt Murray getting the start over Marc-Andre Fleury in Tampa Bay. It showed that Sullivan had the confidence
0: in... Yeah, that's not a defining moment, but it was a big decision. Thank you for the call. See, no more defining moment calls because you don't understand what defining moment means. Defining moment is something that happens in the blink of an eye that changes the course permanently. Not something that Mike Sullivan thought about in the back room and talked over with his coaches. Not... Flurry handing the cup to Murray, that's fanboy gibberish. It's stuff like the Benino goal and the Kunis goal. And shame on me for challenging you to come up with interesting content because uh, every time somebody like me, a real radio demigod, and that's what I am, anytime somebody like me answers a call, a professional is putting the show in the hands of an amateur. And really, this segment is the defining moment of of stupid topics. I think 4-1-2-3-3-3-9-9-39. Okay, let's go with this. Here's a way to get you riled up. Who should be elevated? Who played a minor role this year, or was in the minors this year, that should be elevated to a bigger role next year, and who should go? Who should run it for deal cut? Take out behind the barn and shoot. It's kind of like the clash segment. Who should stay and who should go? 1059 the X.
2: Super genius, Mark Madden.
0: Hey, I wanted to ask why my cat talks in her sleep. Cats are weird. One time my cat didn't eat for three weeks. I didn't feed her.
2: The X at 1059.
0: Here's an example of how people either don't get it or don't remember. Uh, Diane was responding to my choice of Nick Benino's overtime goal to eliminate Washington in 2016 as the defining moment for the Penguins these last three years. She said, have to thank Hall of Famer Mike Lang for the Benino, Benino, Benino long lasting moment. That was actually those Indian guys that did that. Benino, 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 Benino! Can you even imagine Mike yelling like that? That's Hockey Night in Punjabi. That's who they are. My God. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. That should be great. Let's go to Bob and Mars. Bob, you're on with Double M. Let's try dead air for a few minutes. Got to be better than people calling and hanging up. Let's go to Dave and Moon. Dave, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up? All right. Uh, two people I think that
1: need to go. Uh Jory should definitely be the backup. Uh, DeSmith's got to go. You can get anything for him. And uh, well, It's not a matter team. of
0: getting something for De Smith. Uh I-, I think Jari is a better goalie. He definitely has a better yep. pedigree. But uh, Mike Buckley, the goaltending coach... He goes way back with the Smith. They worked together during DeSmith's college days. That shouldn't be a problem. Maybe it is. But I agree with you. I think Jari has to be the backup.
1: Yep. And I uh, think Connor
0: Sherry needs to go three
1: goals in thirty six games or whatever, and he's making over three mil.
0: Yeah, and what I would you do with them though? Win. There's not much uh, much market for a player like that, is there?
1: No, there isn't. But uh I think Strong should be called up and playing the top six.
0: Well, uh, top nine anyway, and Jim Rutherford said yeah. today that uh, Sprong will be a regular with the team yep. next year. One which, more uh,
1: question. Um what do you think about um Forsberg saying he would play on a wing in the top six? Well,
0: I think he was asked if he, he would play wing and he said yeah. I mean, do you like that idea? Uh I don't dislike it. I think one option they should consider for next year is to forget about balance yep. and uh and make two great lines not go with the top nine go with the legitimate top six uh that's the way most teams do it in the past balance it worked for the penguins this year it didn't and if you put like shane haglin and rust on the third line that's a pretty good checking line but but i just keep thinking about brian rust i keep thinking he might be the odd man out because he's a right wing and if sprong's going to be a regular he can't play fourth line yep so the right wings are sprong hornquist and kessel with none of them being comfortable on the left, and Rust not so much either. Like like I said a little earlier, it wasn't long ago that a lot of teams really liked Brian Rust and wanted to trade for him. Whether that's still the case now, I don't know, but maybe that should be investigated. Sometimes you don't trade a guy because you think he sucks and he's disappointed you. You don't like his talent, his game, his production. Sometimes it's because you got better at his position And you want to get an asset that's more useful. Brian Russ might be the guy that does get traded because of the scenario just described. Let's go to Levi in Bridgeville. Levi, you're on with Double M.
1: Yeah, they got to call Sprong up next year. And I also think
0: we got to get Paul Martin back. Okay. Anything else, Levi? You're fat. Okay, good stuff. Thank you for calling. That idiot calls every day. you know, I should put a bounty on his head, a hundred bucks of my own money. Now that would be giving him too much credibility. And I won't want you to hurt him. Like, you know, it'd be funny. There's some people on Twitter too. Although, as I said, it's been almost five weeks now since I stopped responding on Twitter and it is just a revelation. I'm so much happier, literally so much happier, not as often in a bad mood. It's just delightful. And, uh, I should put a bonnie on people's head if you put a pie in their face and it's on video. But then again, how would I know if you got the right guy? People would like fake the video to get a hundred bucks. But you know what? If you're doing that to get hundred bucks, that's sad. And I and I can say that because hundred bucks to me is is butt wipe money. It really is. 39 up. Again, we're talking about who should stay and who should go. Jim Rutherford said today Sprong will be a regular on next year's team. That makes the right wings Hornquist, Kessel, and Sprong. I don't know where that leaves Brian Rust. Connor Sheary's a left wing or a right wing. I don't know where that leaves him, period. Maybe it is time for some turnover with some of the, the bottom margin guys. And again, I think Rust does a good job. You know, if, if Brian Rust is on the fourth line, like if if Shea and Haglin, and let's say, well, I don't know who else. Shea and Haglin, you know, Hornquist would be the logical third-line guy there and use him on the power play. It'd make that a really solid line. Or maybe you get another center and drop Shea into fourth line. If Rust is your fourth-line right wing, that's a really good fourth line. Rust, Kuhn, Hawkland, whoever. I would be tempted, and, and, and I'm, when I say that, I'm, I'm moving Broussard up to wing in the top six. That might be the way to go. If Brassard's your third-line center and change your fourth-line center, that's good, too. Let's go to Brian in the car. Brian, you're on with Double M.
1: Mr. Madden, good day to you, sir. Right. I just want to say,
0: you can't put a bounty on a man's head. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> we could all land in the clink for this. Are you nuts? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good call. That was on uh, just last night. I watched a lot of it. No hockey on last night, so I watched a lot of Slapshot. It was on the Retro Movie Channel, whatever number that happens to be on the on the uh, Comcast dial. Let's go to Brandon in Mount Lebanon. Brandon, you're on with Double M. Double M, big fan. How you doing? Terrific. Good, good, good. I was going to talk to
1: you about getting rid of Chris Tang. I think it's time uh, we start looking into other considerations for our defensive line. I think Alicia... Defensive line? Play play. Maybe
0: Cam Hayward, right? Cam Hayward. Oh yeah. You just yeah. said defensive line, bro. Don't make fun of me, and you just said aliexiac.
1: I'm saying get rid of Chris Latang. Right, maybe they he could play Maybe anything. they maybe they
0: could play Alexiac more. Yeah, maybe they could. I hear you fumble over your food all the time, but hey. Oh, we got to the is- food joke right away. When I made you look like a dope we went right to fat. Is that is that all you have? Go ask your ugly no, wife. Just, Go ask your ugly wife or your stupid kids if they have anything better, because they couldn't have anything worse. They're paying to have to have the name. That's it. He's a liability. He gets hurt. Oh, who No, I'm talking about Latang. Okay, who would you get in his place? Who would replace those minutes? I, honestly, at this point, anybody that's oh, oh, to oh, play, oh really think... good analysis. Maybe Alexiac. Yeah, maybe. Bro, seriously, you're, done, bro, yeah. bro, bro. here's the thing. People who want to get rid of Letang never disappoint me because they don't have a reasonable viewpoint as to how to replace it. You just said anybody, anybody would be better, and that's just not true. It's just not true. Goodbye. Give your ugly what? wife, your stupid kids my regards. And you know what? Here's the worst part. As a husband and as a father, the ugly wife and stupid kids all feel they should be doing better than you. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I
1: wanted to get into this conversation. Now, I don't know who they could get. I think you've mentioned some guys that are potential uh, to, to leave, and cheery and Russ. I'd even throw Broussard in there maybe. I, I don't um, think they're going
0: to, but go ahead.
1: Well, and what I'd like, and, and, and I'll say what I'd like them to get, and you'll say who, but – I would like to see a Dumoulin-type defenseman. Okay, in the
0: who? <laughs> I mean, there aren't that many know. of those.
1: Yeah, there, there
0: aren't there, many. There, there, is, there aren't many great defensemen in the league. There aren't I many. There are many not, I mean, Dumoulin's not great, but he's a legitimate top pair defenseman. There aren't even that many of those in the league, brah. Yeah, and I like
1: Letang. I like pinching the defense, but we've got... Well, I, I wish Letang they would do it a bit election. more
0: selectively.
1: Yeah, I think we need a guy that's uh, a two-way, uh, you know, we're slowing down. The team's getting older. And, you know, y- you see Rust and Cheery trying to, you know, skate through the zone. And they get knocked off the puck really easily. I don't know. I, I mean, that worked for a
0: couple of Well, no, Rusty years, doesn't think. get knocked off the puck very easily. When I say they might want to consider trading Rust, it's because they just have a lot of right wings. And because he doesn't score. Not as much as his skating and skill give him the opportunity to do. Let me, uh, we're going to break now to get ready for uh, Rupper, But let's go over the notion of getting rid of the tag. Because some of you want to do it. I wrote a blog today saying that's a bad idea. Tell me what you think you can, you see, here's where it just blows you up. Tell me what you think you can get for him and tell me, what replaces him? Who? What kind of defenseman? The minutes? Because Haynes, he's gone. Daly's gone. And that was kind of fluky anyway. Those guys playing that well in that situation. Especially Haynes. I love him, but he's never played better than he played during his run with Pittsburgh. Played pretty good this year in Toronto, too. Maybe he just needed to get rich. Rich! But, but tell me how you replace Letang and what you get for him. Because here's the funny part. You'll also have, and everybody who wants to get rid of Letang doesn't have a legitimate idea beyond that. Here's what you hear all the time. He stinks. Anybody be better. Okay, what are you going to get for him? Well, I don't know. Maybe that Eric Carlson. Well, one thing Carlson's a free agent, for another, if Letang stinks, why would he be worth that much? Anyway, wrap are next,
1: 105.9. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX.
0: Joining me now, former Stanley Cup champion with New Jersey, played for the Penguins. He's now with the NHL Network and AT&T Sportsnet. It's Mike Rupp. Uh, Rupper, why did Washington beat the Penguins? If you could narrow it down to a couple big reasons, what would they be?
2: Um, I think the big reasons would be that Washington had a different mindset this year. They weren't mentally fragile, and for whatever reason, they seemed to Kind of push back in in times where in the past they wouldn't. And I think that they're the way they address it. You got to give them credit uh, in that area. Um, and then on the other side, I I think that there's some things that come into play and and you don't ever want to use those as excuses, but uh, they did play a part in it with Penguins are banged up. Key players were banged up. Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel. Um, you know, and that's going to that's going to pay a toll. We know how important those guys are. And, um, Evgeny Malkin was. On an absolute tear for parts of the season, Phil Kessel for a good portion of the season was probably the team's MVP, and Sidney Crosby was 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 great all the way through. And 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 when you don't have, you know, two of those three guys at their at their best, it's, you're going to feel it because they're such a huge part of this team, and, and they make everybody around them better.
0: Now you didn't mention goaltending. I might say goaltending was the single biggest reason. Uh, Murray was okay, but Holpe was brilliant. And that's something, Rupper because Holtby did not have a good season. He really regrouped for the playoffs, didn't he?
2: He did. He did. He once he, you know, that's one of the things. And uh, you know, you always leave it up to some people in each fan base to be knuckleheads. And I got into it with some on Twitter from the Washington uh, fan base at the beginning of the playoffs when I was I was questioning their call with Phil Grubauer going in, and um, just thought to myself, "Well, where, where's where's your goal here? I mean, if this team." Washington Capitals had a ton of pressure, A, to get by the Pittsburgh Penguins, and B, to get past the second round. And my thought process was, if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, you have to have Braden Hope in net. So you can go Phil Grubauer for a game or two, but at that point, Braden Holtby's game wasn't that far behind. He was actually playing pretty decent down the stretch. Um, but every game since he went in, he's gotten better. Uh, every single game, he's getting stronger and stronger. It looks like the Braden and that's won the Vesna before, and um, that's a position that yeah you're right. It, it, Memory was outplayed, and he's uh, outplayed by a guy who kind of had to recalibrate things at the end of the year, and uh, that's a that's a a point of uh, reference that they certainly had in their favor in this series. This is
0: always going to smack of excuse making, Robber. But were the Penguins fatigued after uh, 307 games over the last three years? They had to be, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so. I would think that they... Um, I think a lot of it's maybe... Again, we've talked about it before. I was never in that situation. I haven't won two Cups in a row. I haven't been on that, that long of a, a haul for those two years in a row. So these guys are kind of been in- you know, uncharted waters as far as a lot of guys in the league. So uh, those are the guys, you know, I don't know if you'll ever get the answer that, yeah, we were, we were physically fatigued, but I would think from a playing standpoint and things that I've experienced in the league, mental, mental fatigue is a real thing. So I think that, that you know, it, it's something that just, if you don't, if you lose a little bit of that edge in the mental department, it, it shows a lot on the ice. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still thought that team, even going into game six, was going to come back and at least force the game seven. But you got to give a lot of credit to Washington because they had that edge. They had that mental edge. Whenever it looked like, you know, they were starting games on time, they're getting early goals often in this series. And even when the Penguins would fight back and battle back, and it looked like, oh, here we go, the same old Capitals. They would, they would, they would punch back, and we haven't seen that in the past. So. Yeah, I, I think fatigue had a factor, maybe uh, from at least my standpoint. I, I would guess mental fatigue at times, but we also know that the guys, like we mentioned, were banged up, and physical fatigue, I'm sure, had something to do with it.
0: Did the Penguins' style of play become predictable, Rupper? Specifically, all the pinching and the D jumping into the play all the time? It seemed like the Caps had the answers.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, in the playoffs, too, that you have, so we know about. The top line, how good they were. Crosby and Gensel were awesome in the playoffs. Um, after that, there's a decent drop off. So I think at times, maybe when you have those instances, you, you need D to get involved and kind of generate offense. And, uh, you got to find a way to, to do that. And they got caught a number of times doing it. I mean, we saw a number of breakaways that shouldn't happen come playoff time that were happening, but a lot of it was because you're trying to push the, the envelope in the offensive department. And, if offense was, was coming at an easier rate for the Penguins, they probably wouldn't have to respond in that way. So, you know, you, you can live and die by the pinch sometimes, and, uh, and it bit them this time.
0: How did the Capitals slow the Penguins down? Because I think they did, Ruper, uh the, the Capitals got into their transition so easily, and the Penguins did not.
2: Yeah, you know what? The one thing is I, I thought the, the Caps did a, a really good job of kind of ramping up the physical play. And even if you're looking to, um, you know, I, we'll talk in game six in particular, that, that Oshie line, TJ Oshie in this playoff series, he had another guy that he had a really bad regular season. And um, for this team to do anything in the caps, they need TJ Oshie. They need uh, a second line. And when you're looking at Nick Backstrom not being in the lineup, uh, I, you know, and not even knowing what's going forward with Nick Backstrom, I, this team can't win consistently without him. But for a game, you had Lars Eller step up. That Lars Eller, Verana, and Oshie line, they were awesome. And I thought that they, over the course of the series, the, the Caps had those players that were, you know, you're making, you're finishing every check you can, and you're forcing the team to, to turn the puck over, not make those pretty plays tape to tape. And when you had that, um, it disrupted things in neutral zone. I think the Pens rely so much in the neutral zone on neutral zone speed um, I don't know the stat in front of me, but they generate a, a, a ton of offense off the rush. And when you disturb that um, and you convert it into offense for you, it's going to hurt. And I thought they did a great job of, of just, you know, I don't I don't want to say clogging up the middle of the ice, just rushing the pens and finishing checks and making it where they couldn't make the clean plays.
0: We're talking to Mike Rupp of the NHL Network here on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, how did Chris Letang play? in that series and on the season, Roper, because that's quite a point of discussion here in Pittsburgh right now.
2: Yeah, um, listen, the, the one thing that we we always known about Chris Letang is he's an elite talent, and, but you know that the way he plays, that um, there's he, he makes risk, riskful plays, and that's what he does, and that's part of it that makes him great. So it's you don't notice those things when it's converted to offense, but there's a number of times where it was you know, kind of jammed back at the Penguins and it was offense for the other team and, and they would score. Um Crystal Tang, I think, you know, Brian Duman, I saw his his uh exit kind of interviews and, and I love what he said because here's a guy that it's you know, there's no excuses. I mean Crystal Tang's a type of guy he's gonna beat himself up over it. You've heard him say about game five, how that's all he's thinking about right now. Um he's a prideful guy, but you know, he's still a top ten D in this league and he's a guy that can do an awful lot, and there's only certain guys in the league that are called upon to do some of the things that he does, and this year there's, you know, we can't underestimate the no Trevor Daly, the no Ron Hainsey, the no Ian Cole. That's huge because those guys uh, on all different levels, they the one thing they do a lot of is they, they provide solid defense. So when I look at this Penguins team, yeah, the D was all right, but Crystal Tang now was called upon to be a little more on the defensive side of things too. And, and you know, I also think a, a little thing just from the mindset of some, you know, knowing some players, and it's equivalent to when you see coaches put players out there on the ice, forwards out there, your star players for empty netters, right? And those forwards get those empty netters. That's great because you might get a goal, a, a forward that's, um, say, of Danny Malcolm, for an example, if, if Gino is, hasn't scored a goal in, in, in 10 games, Getting him the odd empty netter is going to help him. So he's not pressing. And I'll use this on the standpoint of you know Justin Schultz is on that first power play unit, and he's getting those touches. He's feeling the offensive game. He's feeling involved offensively, and that's great. If that you know that power play's been awesome all year, but Chris Letang wasn't getting those. So this guy, I think you know he's a numbers driven guy where he has to provide offense, and he's you know he's pressing. And I thought that the one thing I was looking for, and it's the right, it's the right thought he had the right uh his heart was in the right place as far as pushing offense but he wasn't feeling that offense and getting those free touches on the power play and i felt like five on five he's forcing plays a little bit but uh those are things that he's been around a long time has won a lot he, he, he's going to be much better and, and it's it's a learning process too and it doesn't matter how long you're in the league you're going to learn you're going to learn the hard way sometimes and Um, He was a guy that was just trying so hard to do something good, and there's a few times where it kind of blew up on him.
0: Why didn't Derek Broussard fit in like had been hoped? And moving forward here in Pittsburgh, should Broussard be a third-line center or a top-six wing?
2: I think you'll see Derek Broussard, and it's not going to help the sting right now in fans because the team's done. But Derek Broussard will end up being... A very good trade for this team. Uh, I, I, fu- I I firmly believe that this this guy is can do so many different things. He was asked to do a lot of different things, and it takes time. And he wasn't horrible. He he, w- he was good, but they needed him to be great, and it's going to take some time to do that. He's, if it's even if it's going to be moving forward a third line thing, he just needs some more time in the summer here to get his mind around what that looks like. In the midseason, it's hard to just reassess kind of what your what, what you provide and what you're, you know, what the things you bring every day. And, and that was kind of asked of him and it's hard for any player. So, um, you know, I, I think that I'd like to see him getting more minutes and, and getting in different opportunities. I don't know what that looks like though, because we know the two center icemen in front of him. I mean, it's not going to change from those guys. Um, so I, uh, I think it'll be, I think next year come playoff time. That is not going to be a factor whatsoever. He's going to be a player, and that's going to add a nice weapon. So maybe that having a season or an off season where this team can get a little more fire in their belly and and, and have that chip on their shoulder, he's going to be fitting in well. I think there's certainly moves that are going to be made. I don't think Derek it's one that we should be worried about too much.
0: Yeah, and I don't think the Penguins need an overhaul, Roper. I mean, do you see the GM Jim Rutherford? Will he make a major deal?
2: Um. No, I mean I don't like. I, listen, I don't want to sit here and, and those guys are good, good and sitting there. I certainly think he's going to make moves. One, if I'm in his position, I'm sitting there thinking, "All right, who do we have? Who do we have pushing here?" I mean, I like I liked a lot of different times what we saw from Dominic Simone at different times. So if Dominic really, because I
0: think he's awful,
2: <laughs> I think he showed. A, I think the evaluation has to be: is, is he a top six guy? Because he can't play in a in a third line or fourth line. Well,
0: I think top. part of that too, Rupper is. Is he better than Daniel Sprong and Zach aston reese Because I think those two got to move in next year as regulars, don't you?
2: All three of those guys you just mentioned, I agree with. So what that means to me, and not to call this guy out or anything, but where does that leave Connor Sherry? You know what I mean? Is this a piece that you can possibly move? I think this team certainly needs help on the back end. So can you leverage uh, Connor Sherry or something to help do that? I mean... The kids got two Stanley Cups, which is very valuable to other teams. Um, you, you gotta, you know, this, this staff and, and scouts and, and Jim Rutherford will sit there and they'll discuss where all these players are. The Sprongs, the, the Simones, Aston Reese's, where can they fit in? And if they do fit in, that makes some other guys expendable. And, uh, I think that those are going to be some of the moves that you possibly see. I don't see anything really huge, but those moves could pay, uh, good dividends as long as those kids are ready to take the next step.
0: What are the Capitals' chances against Tampa Bay, and how much depends on Nicholas Backstrom's availability?
2: I would say if Nick Backstrom is not available, this team has no chance in beating the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I just think this, it's no knock to them. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been unbelievable the way they've they they flipped the switch. They were not good down the stretch. They were not good a lot of the series against New Jersey Devils. And all of a sudden against the Boston Bruins, they get a little bit of an eye, you know, they, they get awoken after game one. And they're all of a sudden now looking like they did the first half of the season. And they look very deep, very good. I think that something really unique about this situation, there is we know about all the New York Rangers that are down there in Tampa and how to handle this. They have the luxury of Ryan McDonough and uh, Victor had been on two separate D pairs. So you have the luxury of not really being too concerned when the other team's top line's out there as long as one of our two, or our top four D-pair, you know, guys are out there on the ice. But also from that Rangers standpoint, the New York Rangers played the Washington Capitals five times in the Oviera and had a lot of success in those playoff series. And, um, five series is a lot. And in those series, you've had Ryan McDonough, Dan Girardi, Anton Strauman, uh, Ryan Callahan, They've had that objective of hey shut down Ovi, and they've had success doing it. So, not that they're going to be able to shut him down Ovi; he's playing great. But if you get any keep any thumb on Ovi, Ovi and not allow him to dominate, you're going to have a great chance of winning the series. And they're so deep, I just don't see how this Washington team can really match up to them.
0: Real quick, Rupper, who wins Game Seven tomorrow night between Winnipeg and Nashville?
2: I got uh, I got Nashville in this one. I, I don't. I'm baffled at how the. Each team, um, their home ice has been so good all year and all of a sudden it seems like it doesn't matter. But I just have a feeling that the only time home ice really matters in the playoffs is in game sevens. Um, the record is, I think I saw 100 to seven, uh, 70, as far as, uh, series wins and losses in game seven at home. Um, I just feel like Nashville is going to be, uh, they're going to be locked in. And if they're committed to playing a tight game, they're going to win if they're not if they if this game goes more than five goals you know accumulatively Nashville's going to win that game if it's or sorry winnipeg's going to win that game if it's five goals or under Nashville's all over it so i got the credits
0: Rupper, great stuff we'll talk again
2: awesome thanks that's mike
0: Rupp. he's brought to you by auto palace porsche make every day a porsche day with the new Macan. by the way correction eric carlson of ottawa has one more year on his contract John Carlson, the Washington defenseman, is an unrestricted free agent at season's end. And I can't believe the Capitals ever let it get to that. Talk to Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9.
2: And now the super genius, Mark Madden.
0: Yeah, the intensity and the talents. Hey, what's up, Mark? Big fan. Adults don't want kids to be funny. I'm immature, so I don't count. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob, uh... Let's talk about some of the things that were said today at the Penguins' uh, breakup day. The last day they addressed the media, they cleaned out their lockers. Jim Rutherford said Kessel was hurt and it affected him. Mike Sullivan pointedly said Kessel was banged up, but uh, no more than anybody else, and it didn't affect his play. Uh, Quite a contradiction there, and definitely Mike Sullivan putting the heat on Phil Kessel
3: yeah absolutely. I think you're seeing two different personalities there. Uh, a guy that's uh pretty nice and has to deal you know with the whole team who and I'm talking about GMJ.r right now, who's a businessman. Uh, he's got you know certain relationships with these players. he has to deal with them quite closely, and then you've got coach Sullivan also has to deal with them quite, quite closely, but maybe doesn't powder things like maybe some other people do. And he had a message to give, and he gave it. and yeah, th- I'm
0: not sure what good the message does now, though, do you?
3: Well, he's still going to be a Penguin next year. I mean, unless there's something that we don't know about, and I, I think Kessel will be here next year, so maybe he expects more out of him. And like you said, I think that maybe the con, uh, the uh, um, communication between the two has to be better if there's a problem. Well, there.
0: no, I said that about Sullivan and Latang, and Sullivan gave Latang every excuse today due to injury, which I think is correct. I don't think Tanger ever quite recovered from the neck surgery like he wanted to and will. And uh, I think he underestimated the recovery time and process, which Sullivan confirmed after Latang
3: talked about it. But uh, well, dealing with Kessel though in the past, you've said that you know he's a coach—not a coach's nightmare. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, no, no, no.
0: He's a coach's nightmare. Uh, he he doesn't play like any coach wants a player to play. Right. He so, plays a totally unique. He it's like he's playing deck hockey out there on the ice. He doesn't hit anybody. He doesn't block shots. He, he's a good four checker, and he skates hard both ways. But he's just so far removed from the cookie-cutter version of hockey players that coaches prefer. Some players have, you know, one or two things that make them differ from the way a coach wants and the way most players play. Kessel has maybe not dozens, but maybe not far <laughs> from that. He's just a different cat and a different kind of player. And even if he's great, which he is and was during the regular season, He's going to frustrate a coach and clearly has done with Sullivan.
3: Well, that frustration then may manifest itself in something like Mike Sullivan said today. And maybe it is simple as just getting a message out about he expects more, or expects him to play more or, or play oh, no, better. No, no you, see,
0: you see, that's my point, Bob. There's no rhyme or reason to what Sully said because it won't change Phil. Phil is going to play like Phil plays. And if you're not prepared to deal for it, get rid of him. I would be prepared to deal with it. Because the good far outweighs the bad, and has done during his time here in Pittsburgh. But he's dotless going to frustrate. Period.
3: Then maybe it's just as simple as that's the way Mike Sullivan felt. He doesn't care if Phil hears it or doesn't hear it, and he's you know he was just doing clean out day and saying it. It would have like been easier
0: is. to say nothing. It would have been easier to say a lot of guys are banged up. Phil was too. Period. But but to say, uh, let me see if I can find the exact quote. Uh. And I can't find the exact quote, but he, he pretty much said that uh, Kessel was dealing with was not dealing with anything punishing and, and affecting his play, right?
3: Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, whatever it was, it came down to however he played, injury was no excuse. There was nothing there that was keeping him from playing the way he should have been playing.
0: Bob, uh, Jim Rutherford said Sprong is going to be in the lineup next year, going to be a regular. Vic Sullivan agrees.
3: Um, that's a really good question. Uh, well, the way they're they had different takes on Kessel, maybe they've got different takes on Sprung also. I mean, I would love for the you know GMJR. Uh, I w- I'm glad that he thinks that because I think a lot of Penguin fans think that also and. If he gets some comfort level, he can do some damage with the Penguins in the big club. But maybe Mike Sullivan still stint to his guns that he doesn't like what he hears or sees from his play down in Wilkes-Barre, and he's not going to get that until he earns that.
0: Well, yeah, but but some guys are better players at this level than at a lower level. And goal scorers are often that type of player. I think Sprong and Zach Aston Reese absolutely have to be in the lineup next year. That's Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Oh, here's the exact quote. Sullivan on Kessel's injuries. It was nothing significant, I could tell you that. To repeat, it was nothing significant, I can tell you that unquote. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. You know where I get the most aggravated? When I'm driving. I'll get into that in just thirty seconds here on 105.9 the X.